It's a good show. Jesus Christ, Son of God, has inspired wars and murders of good people at numbers that would make a nuclear bomb blush. But Jesus' word doesn't really cause all them wars and death. No, all that misery is because of how much money that motherfucker can make for people. I'd argue that the more people have died in the name of Jesus than have died from drugs. Yes, because selling Jesus is way more lucrative than drugs. Have you seen Joel Osteen's house? It's nuts. It's Pablo Escobar-esque. But a gullible flock can only throw so much of their money at the preacher's lavish lifestyles as a reward for reading stuff out of the Bible. So other revenue streams had to have been opened. The Doobie Brothers' Jesus is just alright does nothing for Christ's army of profiteers. They saith, so if we can make money off people just by reading Bible words, why don't we sing only feel-good Bible interpretations into recordings that can be sold? Booyah! Contemporary Christian music is born. One important pillar in the Christian industrial complex, shoveling money into fuel for buses to ship pedophile priests to different states, build cities of golds and mega churches of crystal. You know, I think I'd also argue the doobies were saying that Jesus is merely all right. Fine observation. So just as preachers are half-assed versions of motivational speakers putting in bare minimum effort to make a buck, Christian contemporary musicians are half-assed versions of actual musicians throwing bibly sounding lyrics into a copycat product. No genre can escape CCM's tendrils of imitation, not even yacht rock. So join us on this journey across the Sea of Galilee, captained by the son of smooth, Yacht Jesus. Hold on a second. What? I thought the music was a little hot. Okay. In your ears? Yeah. It is a little hot. Hotter than a nuclear bomb. Hey, technical things aside, this is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. Now I can't hear the music. Uh, anyway, my we're the only podcast on the internet makes up new genres. Counts them down for all the fun countdown. My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. Hunter. He said Hunter. That's what he said quietly. Hey, we invented the term Yacht Rock. That's what I always say. And so we like to throw a bone to the Yacht Rock genre every week. Even though today's episode's all about Yacht, it's Yacht Jesus, episode 90. Welcome. Uh, we're going to do uh, a Yacht Rock song first as well. What, what is this song, Hunter? Uh, well, this song is called God Will Be There, otherwise known as Yamo Be There. Uh, because uh, James Ingram and Michael McDonald are super cool and wanted to figure out how to do a song about God without scaring away a mainstream audience. And it worked. It's a very nice song. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Uh, yah is a shortened uh, term for Yahweh. Oh. And uh, this song was written by uh, those two I previously mentioned, plus uh, Quincy Jones and Rod Temperton. And I think they made a mistake covering up the religiosity here, because... The talent threshold for contemporary Christian music is so low. A lot of these guys sell millions of records. So, and Yamo Bimit there only hit 19 on the Billboard charts. But with like talent with McDonald and Ingram singing it, it could have been number one on the CCM charts for a decade. And that's what we're going to learn about today. Yep. 
Okay, so let's get some names out there. Uh, we have um, a lot of synths on this. That's pretty much it. Uh, we got Ingram and McDonald and Temperton. They're all on synth. Joined by Michael Boddicker. Um, and a little bit of percussion with uh, Polina DaCosta and John Robinson from Rufus. And also he's in Rufus and Chaka Khan. Uh, and uh, let's see. And Dave, you'll be happy to know that John Robinson, like Oates, has an album called Funk Shui. Whoa, who did it first? Oates was a year before. Yeah. It was spelled differently. Innovator. I love that that album name was like in the ether. And yeah. Two people pulled it out within a year of each other. I think there might be a, one or two more that are named that. All spelled yeah, I mean, different. when you got something that obviously good, people are going to ape it. Uh, this is off James Ingram's album, It's Your It's Your Night, It's Your Night, from 1983, and comes immediately after the song Party Animal, if that gives you an insight on, into the psyche of wanting religion in this coked-up era of music. Well, what's Party Animal about? A party animal? Yeah, about a, somebody who likes to party. Sweet. Um, I, there's a couple of sweet... Uh, yeah, check out some videos on YouTube. There's one... The actual video's weird. It's kind of Lynchian, where, like... McDonald and Ingram like quit their short order cook jobs and become <laughs> gods in a in the back of an Airstream trailer. It's like fucking really weird. Wow. And then there's another one. It's like the beginning of Scarface. Yeah. It's like there's another one that's like it's called Yamo Be There Extended Cut. I think some DJ extended it and cut together a video, but there's a lot of like in studio stuff of like Quincy Jones giving these like really creepy appreciative nods, just staring and nodding because they're doing such a good job. Worth checking out. Um, he's sitting there making up stories in his head. Yeah. He's making. That, he's he's imagining himself as the one who will be there. Yeah. <laughs> this song is about me. I'm gonna be there. He's just he's he's making up stories in his in his head, and he's confusing them now in his old age. Uh, for actual things. Michael James, this song is great, but listen, well, just one time, I try. Q will be there, because <laughs> you know I'm gonna be there, guys. You know I will. And I'm God. Um, we've yatsky this song before, and it got a 78.25, and that kind of seems a little high, but that was back in Yadern Yacht Volume 10. It's, it's, it's pretty good, and it's about right. But just make sure to listen to our Yadern Yacht episodes, people, and check out yadernyacht.com and see where the songs rank on the Yatsky scale. Shall we get into Yacht Jesus? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, a couple years ago, a writer named Eric he- Helene wrote a piece for the captain's blog at YachtRock.com about a genre he called Arc Rock, Christian Yacht Rock. The article was about his, uh, it was about smooth music produced by Myrrh Records. Uh, you know, frankincense, golden myrrh. Mm-hmm. Myrrh. The Jesus gifts. Uh, it was an article about what Murr Records was doing during the Yacht Rock era. And it's a really good article. You should check it out. But when Hunter finally heard of Eric's work, he rightly pointed out that Ark Rock is a terrible name. It's true. Well, it's, it's because the yacht is the brand, not rock. Yeah. I've explained this a hundred billion times. Uh, but, uh, you know, so Yacht Jesus is Yacht Rock, just like Southern Yacht and Yacht Soul and Yacht York, and whatever the else we fucking make up as Yacht, it's it's Yacht. That's the brand. So, you know, go ahead and say welcome to the Ark. That makes sense. Yeah. When you don't do Yacht or Nats, but we do. So maybe we can say that. 
Um, you know, that works. So why not Yachtspull? What? Yachtspell? Yachtspull. Like gospel, but with yacht as Oh! Wait, was that... Was that wait, I thought you were, it was a Godspell reference. That, me too. No. Yeah, see, it's... No, if it were Godspell, I would have written two L's. Well, okay, you're perfect. That's I right. Thought it, I, thought it was, I thought it was Godspell too, yeah. and, I, and I just wrote because no one would know what the fuck that means, just like all your other genres. A Yachtspell choir. A Yachtspell, well... I don't know. If you said Yachtspell, people might say, what? I don't know. Y-H-C-H-T. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like something you wrap a rope around on a yacht. It's not clear at all. <laughs> the Yachtspell. I'll keel all you to the Yachtspell. <laughs> all right. Let me define the genre here. Yacht Jesus is contemporary Christian music, or CCM, from the Yacht Rock era that actually is Yacht Rock music. In fact... As demonstrated by Yamo B there, Yacht Rock and CCM had a good deal of crossover. Mostly Yacht Rock session guys crossed over to help the Christians sound more legit. More on that in a bit. But Hunter, why did you want to define the genre with Kiri by uh, Mr. Mister? I didn't. I wanted to define the genre with the t- 12 songs that we're going about, about to play. So I figured in the intro we would just have, you know, some sweet bros from Pages who couldn't resist singing about... God with uh, Kyrie Eleison, or Kyrie, uh, which is, what it was it, God be with you? Lord have mercy. Or Lord had mercy, yeah. Yeah, it's Lord. true, it's Greek. It's popular at the beginning of the Eucharist. Yeah, so these guys, you know. I want to go to Catholic Mass in Greek, because it's pr- like they tell say, what happens is like they say a little prayer, like mm-hmm. a line-long prayer, like, so so God looks over us in our times of illness, and you say, Lord have mercy. I would love to like be in a Greek church, and they say in Greek, you know, hey, so may Jesus guide us through our darkest times, and then the whole the whole congregation goes, Just go to a Greek Orthodox church. Just playing around here. Or maybe a Russian Orthodox church. We, anyways, this, this, that's that side of the schism there. So, Hunter, you're you're underlining the the allure of Christian music to yacht rock artists, but I want to go to the opposite route and ask. What's the allure of Yacht Rock to contemporary Christian musicians? Like, what what made so many of these Murrakats aspire to replicate the yacht aesthetic, even though they, their own abilities were somewhat limited? And I came up with two answers. I think, one, Yacht Rock is known for meticulous production polish, and that resonates strongly with a culture that's obsessed with surface perfection. Like, here's the kind of music that seems to embody the values and the image of themselves they want to project, project to the world. Buffed to a flawless sheen, which surely reflects what's inside as well. Appearances are never deceiving. You know, we're simple folk, sheep who need a shepherd to keep us in line and know what's best for us. Well, what, that's that's what it's all about, right? That also describes the internet. <laughs> I don't think, okay, continue. Number two. No, the internet wants to wake up the sheeple. No, they want to project. What? They want to project an image of waking up sheeple. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, there's a lot of image projection all over the world. But this is the, this is the image that the Yacht Jesus people want. And second thing, Yacht Rock tends to play it on the cool side, emotionally speaking. You might get a, like a whaler like Kenny Loggins, but he's more of the exception than the rule. Because Yacht Rock generally maintains a certain emotional reserve. 
and makes that seem refined and sophisticated. And that's absolutely going to resonate in a culture as deeply emotionally repressed as the audience for contemporary Christian music. It's not that they can't feel, it's that there are only very specific ways of expressing feeling that are considered socially acceptable because the other ones are all dangerous and might lead you into sin and damnation and eternal you know, hellfire. And uh, the great thing about smooth music is it doesn't rile up the passions. So CCM artists with, you know, a little musical ambition, they're hearing Yacht Rock as something like the audio equivalent of cornflakes, which, as we all know, were originally developed to prevent masturbation, and thinking of that as something to aspire to. What, how, but you glue them on your hands? Uh, no, John, oh. uh, John Harvey Kellogg thought that bland food would, like... Would prevent would, masturbation. Well, yeah, it would prevent you from becoming aroused. There's a whole movie about it called Welcome to Wellsville. I'm going to glue them to my hands and see how that works. Yeah, it's... Well, eventually they'll get mushy and probably help out the process. Uh, I'll tell you... The road to Wellville. Yes. It is. uh, I'll tell you the real reason is because I think it's... You brought it up in the beginning. There's so much money in religion, and you already have a built-in audience. You have even a semi-hit or something worth listening. It's going to spread around the flock like crazy, and they're the only people other than Steve that still buy CDs. It's true. It's very true. Well, country music fans. Oh, good point. There's a lot of of crossover in that. I think there's just a lot of mus- uh, money in music. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, that's what the point of what Dave's saying. That's one of the, the last fertile grounds of music, mm-hmm. money making. Um, I think you guys wrote a lot. Uh, I think it's just basically a bunch of dudes who were resisting either one, were, were nerds who didn't want to do drugs and didn't want to have sex, and so they spent all their time in the studio, and what better... What better uh, uh, sound for that than yacht rock, and they were, or they were also guys who did a lot of drugs, had a lot of sex, probably got married, uh, <laughs> and then needed to spend time in the studio <laughs> to avoid uh, doing all that stuff again. So really, it's the same thing. That's uh, you know, yacht rock was made for that. Spend a lot of time in the studio, away from strip clubs and bars. I think you're all thinking too much. I just think contemporary Christian music bites the the easy popular sound of the time and yacht rock was the easy popular sound of the time it's not that easy and it's, it, it's easy in the sense that it's out there but it's harder to play than a lot of these guys think it is i, I think. mean easy in, in that like this is the sound that will make yeah. money um there is there is one more thing that i want to bring up about the sound and that is i i think it's actually not as nefarious as we're making it out to be i think the it came from the same thing that that Yacht Rock came from at this time in that you have basically a very, uh, probably in the South, you have Nashville and all these like studio guys making Christian music, country and Christian music. And then also you have gospel with soul and interesting things going a little more on. And then these guys started working together a little bit. I think you'll find that in a lot of these musicians. And that's kind of the same thing with what Yacht Rock was. Is you had a bunch of hippies who started hanging out with, I don't know, drinkers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you're going to see the most important figure in Yacht Jesus might be Michael O'Mardian, who won Grammys for Christopher Cross's self-titled debut. O'Martian started a Campus Crusade for Christ musical outreach group in the late 60s and released several solo records on the Murr label in the late 70s. He continued releasing Christian material while he was working on mainstream Yacht Rock and continued after the Yacht Rock era, like, for example, scoring an audio book of uh, mansion dweller Michael W. Smith reading the Bible. 
And I think Omardian's legitimacy also helped bring some of our favorite session guys into Yacht Jesus, uh, which brings the genre more legitimacy. See, I oh, think yeah. I, I'll, go, I'll go work on Mike's thing, whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah, but I think our session guys are just that. You know, they get booked. They're hired guns. You know, I've, I've read things that they've written. I've spoken to a bunch of studio musicians. More often than not, they don't know what they're going to be playing from day to day. They're expected to be chameleons, and that's what sets apart the exceptional ones, like your Jay Graydon. They go in and bring their own sound, or Lukather. Yeah, but it's like Omarion says... You know, but I'm, my point is, make no mistake to it, another session is just another paycheck. I know, but like it's Omarion who said, hey, I know... You say, I know a guy who worked with a mainstream studio guy who would be who would be great in this. I, it's him. It's Michael Omarion bringing his people in. I get it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not making any judgments on the studio musicians who choose to play on Christian music. Yeah. But it's, it's it, they have a connection to Michael Omarion, who's like, I know the best guys. Come on, sure, the best guys. Sure, sure. Any producer is going to bring in his, his ringers. Yeah. Um, so the best Yacht Jesus, like Yacht which Rock. Is, which is why it's ridiculous to ask Christopher Cross to use your band as a backing band. <laughs> That's asinine and assholish any way you look at it. Anywho, uh, best Yacht Jesus incorporates Yacht Rock elements. It's jazz and R&B influence, Bonanza elite session players, lyrical themes about fools, but in this case, fools who are foolish enough to not yet have Jesus in their lives. And doing a bunch of non-Jesus-y things. But I guess profiting off the faith of others doesn't make it non-Jesus. It doesn't make the non-Jesus-y list to these folks. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Hunter, uh, what, is, what is this song now? Okay, so I, I want to mention this is a Yacht Jesus supergroup who basically made jazz funk. Uh, they're Koinonia. Uh, which is Greek for getting together with fellow Christians. Again with the Greek. Uh, in this case, we have Abe Laboreal, Dean Parks, Alex Acuna, who's a percussionist from Weather Report and often in Yacht Rock songs, and one uh, Hadley Hawkinsmith, uh, who is the Jay Graydon of Yacht, Yacht Jesus. Um, try to mention him every, uh, every chance I get. Um, he may not be on all these songs today, but Hadley Hawkinsmith is, is probably on at least 50% of Yacht Jesus. Uh, and that's not really hyperbole. He was, he was an insanely talented guitarist that went for, uh, that for some reason wasn't on a lot of secular Yacht Rock. Um, I think it was because he was Neil Diamond's guitarist. Ooh. He, he is Neil Diamond's guitarist. He started in 86. He tours with Neil Diamond. If Neil Diamond didn't retire, he would still be touring with Neil Diamond. So we've seen, we've him. seen him. Yeah. Um, so I think it was before that, but I know he was a touring guitarist. He wasn't necessarily on all, all of his albums. Um, but he had a problem that he, uh, he when he came out to L.A. and tried to get into as a session guy, and Luke and Graydon were shoving him out. So he had to go to Oklahoma City, and he found a space in, in, uh, in Christian music, and then they all moved out here again, and then he had basically work with the other Christian guys at the time. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so he's uh, you'll hear his name a whole bunch. I, li- I like that there has to be Christian smooth jazz in case regular smooth jazz is too carnally <laughs> suggestive. <laughs> well, the saxophone, man, you gotta, there's a certain way to play it. Just well, like... The- the- it doesn't rile up the passions too much. <laughs> it's, like, it's like how the Bible um, instructs uh, Orthodox Jews how to dress and eat. It also instructs sax players how to suggest <laughs> unsuggest proper play the breath sex. control. Well, th- these guys are coming together. De- definitely no flutter tonguing. These guys are coming together as uh, as like kind of the studio was being guys are being replaced by electronic instruments. So 
this is basically they were this was their they're replacing masturbation with going to a club and um, doing jazz funk, <laughs> which is you could argue that there's yeah. not very much difference there. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, well, one could argue you're masturbating incorrectly. No, it's pretty much the same. It's highly technical and it takes too long. <laughs> <laughs> These guys, uh, I read, they they used to play at the Baked Potato in Burbank. Oh yeah, that's a great place. Oh, does that ever? still exist? It yeah. still exists. Maybe it they still play there. Does. I didn't think it was in Burbank though. I thought it was North Hollywood. I don't know. Do they serve cornflakes with the baked potatoes? See? No, it's, no, they it's just serve jazz funk. No it's, one's. <laughs> it's a very tiny place, and it's it's really kind of badass. I maybe we should plan a field trip. I think they do. I think they do jazz and funk there. Sometimes they combine the two. Whoa, both at once. Are we good, day, or, uh, JD? Yeah, we're gonna have to pause before the countdown. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, looks like looks like all the looks on our side. Thanks, Jesus. Jesus. Lord's with us on this one. All right, we, we, we've mentioned already. I'm ready to go. <laughs> we've mentioned already how low the bar is for Christian audiences. Uh, I just, I, I was thinking about this, like, black gospel was the foundation for so much secular pop music because it created its own form. You know, it's, it's trying to find spiritual ecstasy in the face of vicious oppression and encourage community participation and bonding and the music is set up to do that but like you know like jd like you were saying before white christian music is mostly just ripping off existing forms Mm -hmm. because they're trying to like rope people in yeah you're trying to get people in it's it's, it's like creating like it's a ministry vegan meat substitutes because you can only think like oh i'm going to get people to eat vegetables by making them like fake meat yeah, it's like when Jehovah's when, Witnesses when send those cool looking of their own accord. Wait, wait. It's when Jehovah's Witnesses send those cool looking teenagers around your neighborhood on the weekends that you really want to talk to them. They're yeah. like, hey, wasn't wasn't music basically spe- specifically in the United States and coming into rock and roll? Wasn't it? Didn't it begin as religious music? Maybe. I think it was the secularization of it that really that changed it, not the other way around. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'm pretty sure that's how it started. Yeah, like all those, all like the innovators had roots in gospel. Well, and, and even before that, like country western is coming out of and hymns and mm-hmm. like it's. Well, it's also coming out of like Scottish folk songs and stuff yeah, like that. Once they, once the fucking Puritans and Protestants moved here, they wasn't weren't doing too many folk songs. They were singing in church. All right, those, those let's were move on. That was a different category of undesirables. Anywho, but yeah, no, like I, I just remember like the music I grew up with in church. I, I, I lived in a town that was like ninety percent white people. It's you know it's a small midwestern town. You go on Easter, ninety nine percent of my church was white. I, I I'm sure it, it very well could have been an even hundred percent. But it's like the pastor can't remember how to convey the emotion of joy because he only attempts it once or twice a year. And the congregation just all recites their lines in a monotone. Everyone sings 400-year-old hymns with any with no idea of what the tune is, let alone how to carry it. And so anyway, it doesn't take much to impress a religious audience with religious music. So if you have actual chops like these guys, you could be big Jesus Fish bumper stickers in a very, very small pond. So we're going to hear a lot of that today. All right. Let's do the countdown. Jesus. You said it, man. 
Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Number 12. All right. Kicking things off here at number 12. This is Al Green with Morningstar. Now, we all know that the Reverend Al Green came from a very secular background. And after a slew of hits in the 70s, he turned to Christian music in 1980, releasing a shitload fuck ton of uh, Hooray for God albums. This is off his second Christian album, which is from his 1982 release, Precious Lord. Hmm, goodness. Yeah. You know, you can, uh, yeah, you hear the yacht sound here. It's nice. It's not beating you over the fucking head with uh, that little thing they sprinkle water on babies with, but it's there. Holy water stick? Yeah, I think that's what they call it. Um, there's no personnel note on this one. It's, it's kind of an outlier as far as what we'll be hearing today, as far yeah. as like the personnel go. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Oh. Um, there is, basically, this, is, this song is a blend of funk and southern yacht backing, basically. It's probably like, recorded in like Nashville then? Uh, I don't know where it was recorded. It was somewhere in, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it may have been, uh, it may have been like mu- more Muscle Shoals. Okay. Uh, but I looked it up and like you have a lot of these guys. Like for instance, Bob Bray was on the Wilson Brothers. You know, oh yeah. One of your one of your uh, picks. So basically, he had some really good, awesome session musicians. But it wasn't your typical gospel session musicians. These were these are guys are showing up on yacht, uh, Southern Yacht, um, but he also had Moses Dillard. So if you wanted like to have a weird sort of mix of sound, he played the guitar. Moses Dillard was a uh, soul funk disco guy. He co-wrote this song. Okay, so that's where that bounce comes from, mixed with those uh, nice. Southern Yacht guys. So also, yeah. I noticed something. <laughs> I'm pointing out on this one. And I don't know how many it shows up, but listening to a lot of this stuff, a lot of flutes in Yacht yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of flutes in Yacht Jesus. A lot Jesus. of flute tooting. Yep. yep. And it doesn't always appear in Yacht Rock stuff, but it does often. Get your secular phallus where you can when you're a Christian. <laughs> um, this was released on Murder, uh, but in the UK it was released under a label called Cream, because that's what Sexy Al Green makes all Christian women do. Yep. Yeah, this is weird that it was on Murr, because um, he was usually on gospel mm-hmm. stuff. Murr didn't have a no. ton of gospel stuff, but, but at this point I had and, and this is interesting. We were talking about the different kinds of uh, like reasons that Yacht goes Christian, whether it's a money grab, whether it's you know people trying to find God after rehab. Uh, but this, to me, is an established musician just uh, dipping a toe into the Yacht sound. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he wanted to go a little more Yachty with his sound. Maybe maybe for profit, maybe to see if he could do it, but no two ways about it. The yacht, the yacht is uh, is right there. Yeah, we haven't listened to a lot of Al Green around this time. I don't know if he has any other yacht rock songs. He does. But, I, well, yeah. the stuff I listened to, that, yeah. this was it. Isn't this was the closest thing that you could get, and I think it was Moses Dillard. I think it was the soul funk guy that kind of put that into it. And if you noticed, <clears throat> it's not incredibly religious. It's on mm-hmm. Precious Lord, wasn't? Was uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was on a religious album, but Morning Star is kind of a is more of a hidden hidden uh, religious reference. Drags you in. Oh, well, by the new Al Green album. I love Jesus uh, now. Morning Star is an interesting religious message because while it can refer to Jesus or uh, Mother Mary, it's more commonly used to refer to Lucifer. Um, let me check my notes here. 
It has something to do uh, with the sun, which is God, distinguishing the stars. Uh, it's a funny thing that uh, Al, to think that Al Green's actually singing this happy Christian song, but Morningstar is an absolute reference to Satan. <laughs> that's a great point, and that's why there's an album uh, by the Swedish death metal band Entombed, also called Morningstar, mm-hmm. and I know it's for the reason you just stated, because their next release was a covers compilation called Sons of Satan, Praise the Lord. No. Hallelujah. I don't think he's singing about anything. I think this was Moses Diller writing a secular secular song putting it on a on a Al Green. Also Morningstar uh, is a medieval weapon, a ball with spikes on it. Yeah. Also known as a mace. It's also a vegetarian food brand. Okay, moving right. Do you know do you guys know this real quick do you guys know the story of why Al Green turned Christian? Because he loved Christ? No, he uh, he got attacked in his bathtub by an ex-girlfriend who threw boiling grits on him and he had second and third degree burns on his back and then she killed herself in his bedroom. Was he bathing face down? Oh, another happy story from Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. I, you know, I was going to guess if, if it was either, you know, it's usually, it's going to be woman or drugs. Yeah. I was going to guess a woman for Al Green. It's a woman with uh, so, hot, hot grits. So he's soaking in the bath. She comes in with some boiling grits. Does he immediately turn around? Yes, it's and defensive. Wouldn't you turn around if somebody was throwing hot grits at you? Well, I don't know. Maybe she was just bringing me some grits, some bathtub grits. Hmm. Maybe she was trying to make stud stew with me in the uh, (laughs) old bathtub. Get it? Number 11. All right, this one takes a little time to kick in, but when it does, man, oh, man, is this ever a Yacht Rock song? <laughs> I passed this one over because I couldn't get through the preamble. Oh, it's so long, but it's so sweet when it starts. This is Amy Grant, Don't Run Away. Us normies remember Amy Grant for her crossover hit Baby Baby around 1990, but what a breath of fresh air Amy Grant was to contemporary Christian music. Her first release was in 1977 when she was just 16 years old. At that point, the prettiest little thing on the scene was probably that Joyce from that bad album cover that went viral 10 years ago. Remember Joyce, guys? Uh, wasn't Vaguely. she one of the characters on... Um, Three's Company? Didn't she look like Dustin Hoffman? And, uh, yeah, she looked like Tootsie, yeah. Tootsie. What was the, uh, what was the sitcom with Schneider? <laughs> Don't worry about it. One Day at, one day a, time. at a Time. Yeah, yeah it was a totally character on One base. Day at a Time. Okay, listen. But I was on base, right? Heard, Hunter was on base. Thank you. I didn't hear what he said. Uh, exactly. What was this? Okay, so, so Joyce was pretty. Anyway, Joyce is the prettiest thing. So then Amy Grant comes along, and CCM doesn't gratuitously market sex. So when a talent like Amy Grant comes along, who is bona fide cute, her smiling face on her album cover is is titillating to CCM fans as Samantha Fox showing off her titties in Swank magazine is to us regular music fans. That was a great issue. Again, the bar is low. Amy's, listen to this shit. Amy's early stuff was all on Myrrh. Uh, this song, Don't Run Away, is from her third album, Age to Age, which she released around the age of 20. And as you can hear, this song is nailing the Yacht Jesus sound. Nailing it right to the Southern Cross, which is not a Yacht Rock song, by the way. Uh, you know, Amy Grant always kind of played around with Yacht Rock. She had some backing on stuff, but she always went a little folky, a little... A little boring. Uh, yeah, I scanned like three or four albums before I found this song. So did I, and I skipped this one because of the preamble. I was like, no. Nope. Um, it has unusual verses, but a super yachty chorus. Uh, the song incorporates a nice synthesized e-piano sound and Michael McDon- Michael McWanald background vocals. 
Um, there's some Bonanza CCM personnel here. Michael W. Smith is on keyboards just before he exploded onto the scene and into a mansion. Uh, he crossed over, warming up the mainstream charts for Amy Grant uh, with his forgettable number six hit, My Place in This World, My Place in This World. Uh, and one of the background vocalists Pretty memorable, here, seems like. Well, I had to listen to it again. <laughs> then I was like, oh, I remember this song. I have no um, idea what you're talking about. Oh, my God, it's a shitty pop song in the 90s. And then one of the background singers on this is Kathy Tricoli, who would soon start releasing Christian albums of her own before crossing over on Amy's coattails with the forgettable 1992 number 14 hit, Everything Changes. It sounds like a Kathy Dennis song. Um, you got to listen to it. You'd never, I can't even sing it, but you'd know. I don't remember that one at all. Uh, Amy Grant, millionaire several times over, will not be getting into heaven. Sorry! Oh, wow. Number 10. All right, this is uh, Hold On by Paul Clark. So let me briefly explain what Jesus Rock was, because that's where Paul Clark came from. That was the most ironic briefly I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've heard way more ironic from me, Hunter, and you know it. Stretch it uh, out, Steve. Lots of, lots of hippies were blundering around the West Coast looking for answers back in them 60s. A lot of them took drugs and had sex. You know, pretty good answers. Some of them joined cults or weird spiritual movements or just got into a bunch of annoying New Age stuff, which you'll still find to be the case if you're trying to date in L.A. But what some of those hippies found, counter to the counterculture, was Jesus. And they made hippie music about him, like we heard in the show intro, because they still wanted to gather around the campfire on their hippie Jesus communes as they got back to the simple spiritual life in the filth of nature. That's what Jesus Rock was. So Paul Clark started out doing these hippie Jesus songs in the early 70s. Uh, I guess his debut album, Songs from the Savior, was a big deal on the, the early Jesus hippie scene. Uh, but by the late 70s, he was starting to do jazzier stuff with a more skillful studio band. And if white Christian music is a two-bit knockoff of the real deal, then Paul, Paul Clark's career art kind of makes him the 70s Kenny Loggins of, of Yacht Jesus. Hmm. He looks like it, too. I gotta say, a lot of these Yacht Jesus guys, they have the Yacht Rock they look. look. It, yeah. They're handsome. Beard. They're handsome. Yeah. <laughs> and they know how to pose. A spectrum of handsome. Good abs. I wouldn't know, but I mean, I would assume. Yeah, you, you got they have that. good posture. Yeah. Uh, Very neatly trimmed beards. Yeah, good, good course. Not a hair out of place. Yeah. Uh, Paul is also had the tremendous yacht vocalist honor of having his studio backing band go on to form their own group. And that group is the aforementioned Koinonia. That means that this is a Bonanza personnel sure song is. going on here. Uh, Koinonia all got their start playing together on his 1980 album, Aim for the Heart. Uh, that album and his three early 80s albums for Murr all have some pretty yachty stuff on them. And the last one... Uh, 1984 is Out of the Shadow, even has the Pages guys and Tommy Funderburk of Airplay doing background vocals. The Bink. <laughs> R.I.P. Joe Walsh. Hey, uh, hey, my name is Tommy Funderburk. I'll be singing background vocals. Hey, you're the Bink. I'm calling you the Bink. That's me giving nicknames, right? <laughs> well, uh, also, Hadley, Hadley Hawkinsmith and uh, Bruce Hibbard are on this. Now, I didn't mention Bruce Hibbard. Bruce Hibbard was, I think, our first... Yacht or Yacht, Yacht Jesus. 
We okay. got, we got he's, he's the first Yeah Jesus guy to get on the boat. Um, he's not going to make a countdown today, spoiler alert, but he, he, he definitely could, but he's, uh, he's already on the boat. Um, they're both on this. I think... Uh, I don't know if Hadley's on this, but this certainly sounds like Hadley. Uh, speaking of yacht yachts, we've also we've also done Paul Clark's "Drawn to the Light" in a yacht and yacht, and it was uh, easily on the boat. I think it was like up in the '80s thereabouts. Ooh. Uh, that was an extremely yachty song where he sounds like a knockoff Michael McDonald. Uh, but most what? often, wait, uh, hold on, uh, wait, what? A knockoff Michael? There's a there's a, a more a concise way to say that. Michael Steve. McDonald. Michael McWonald, guys. Oh. Oh, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna stick. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> it's like the first time you heard it, just now. <laughs> no, it is. Michael Michael McDouble. Don't worry about it. Steve, continue Michael your McDonald? long paragraph, please. Anyway, I like Michael McDonald. Steve, shut up. Most shut often, up. Paul sounds like a knockoff Kenny Loggins. You got you got a catchphrase for that? No, because not many people do knock him off. But we'll get yeah, one. He's harder to knock off. He's very hard to knock off. You can, you can hear you can hear a little of that little hippie folky warble in Paul's voice, uh, even though it's not as powerful or elastic as actual Kenny Loggins. Uh, this song, uh, it's from his Murr debut, A New Horizon, from 1981, and it's Paul doing knockoff Loggins over a knockoff Percaro shuffle. With some knockoff Lukather licks popping up all over the real it thing. It must be Hadley, then. It's, I, it's I, got. He's not listed on the song. He's no. listed on the album. It sounds like Hadley. It's got to be him, man. He he sounds like Graydon Lukather, you know. Did you guys hear that guitar solo? It was fantastic. Yeah, it's Hadley. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, they're, 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 these these guys are doing their best to recreate the vibe of of the real deal. A really good Fender Rhodes on there too, played by Paul himself. He really is a Mike McDonald. <laughs> a what? Don't worry about it, bro. Keep using your long terms, and I'll use my shorthand, and everybody will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I listen. I tried to. Man, I had to listen to Paul's lyrics on this. They're really. <laughs> oh man. It's that. It's that overly wordy, hyper sincere Logan's awkwardness about his feelings. But in this case, it's his feelings about studying the Word of God, and seeing it uh, unfolding like a pearl in a shell. A clit. <laughs> that is uh that's not a connection i made but i think it's the right connection honestly because how else is a pearl in a shell gonna unfold yeah by the fucking bitch you're about to fuck spread her goddamn legs just like jesus wanted yep hey he did it to mary magdalene continue steve there is a lyric on here where he compares someone's jesus. getting excommunicated <laughs> There's a lyric on here where Paul compares Jesus to the, to a, a captain on a ship to paradise, so I'm assuming you can't really get much more Yacht Jesus than that, oh, lyrically yeah. speaking. That's a great line in this song. Um, One-way ticket to paradise. Dave Loggins, he'd be going, Hubble. What? I love the idea that they're hiding hot sex lyrics in these Jesus songs. That's so fucking fantastic. They're so fucking horny, and they, uh, and they also want to draw people in to yeah. get their Christian albums and start paying money to preachers so they can, the yeah. preachers can buy Cadillacs. Uh, dear Jesus, I want to feel you inside of me. <laughs> it's great. That was Hold On by Paul Clark. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Number nine. 
I gotta say, I love some of these songs. Some of these songs are some of the they're best really rock good. songs yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, no, they're great. This is yeah. We gotta make secular parodies, <laughs> which aren't funny. They just have lyrics that aren't weird. So we can perform guns. under the uh, name Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock Band. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the real Yacht Rock Band. <laughs> we don't even have to say real. It's like given. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I heard, I heard this song, and I had to put it on here because this is hot yacht Jesus, isn't it? Isn't this the hottest yacht so good. Jesus? It's so mischievous. It's a pretty yeah. sultry groove. It's, it's giving me half a cross in my pants. And, <laughs> and, you know, and you know, it could be it's a bit of a mischievous title because it's called The Other Side. Mm. Oh, you're saying it might be a backdoor suggestion? <laughs> See when you put two and two together, Dave. It sounds like it's about a naked uncle creeping around a kid's bedroom. Like, <laughs> it's like he's. There's a lyric. He's waiting just beyond the door, just for you. <laughs> he is the that. savior. Listen to that. Oh, so this is uh So this is the other side by Andrus, comma Blackwood, no comma and Co. Period, which stands for company. So we know it's not. Okay. Oh. His name's not Andrus Blackwood. It's Andrus, also with Blackwood and Company. Blackwood and Company, yeah. yeah. And they're not fans of the Oxford comma. No. Uh, this is from 1981, Soldier of the Light, which from what? Uh, what wait, wait. Well, oh, I listened to it and it's pretty yachty and Jesusy. You know, they they run the gamut. <laughs> <laughs> they got both kinds of music. <laughs> Uh, this album was on uh, Green Tree, the Green Tree record label, which was a subsidiary of Benson Records out of Tennessee and very Christian. Uh, I looked at their label mates and nothing jumped out except for the Oak Ridge Boys, the Imperials, and Sandy Patty, who I don't know, but sounds like a bummer at a beach barbecue, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> My religious uncle and aunt were, were all into Sandy Patty in, like the, in the 80s. I love that you're like, nothing jumped out except the two bands we've heard of and somebody with a great pun name. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of those uh, what do you call somebody with no arms or no legs jokes. They're terrible jokes. You don't know. What's the punchline? Eileen. Sandy Patty. <laughs> Is it Eileen? Anyway, continue. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Andrus Blackwood and Company is described uh, immediately by Wikipedia as racially integrated uh, CCM band, which I guess was something. So, I mean, this was the 70s, so... Well, I'll get, Christians so, are all about love. So I'll get into acceptance. it. Acceptance. So I'll get into it. So Andrus is uh, Sherman Andrus, and he was known for breaking the color barrier in Christian music by joining the Imperials. He was a gospel guy. He joined the Imperials, and he was their co-lead singer from 1972 to 1976. Because before 1972, no African American had ever sung about Christ. Nope. Nope. Not with white people. Uh, so who are the Imperials? Well, all you need to know is they are Christian and white. And Andrus, Andrus was uh, half of that. Uh, he was just Christian. Just uh, if you're doing the maths at home. He was also from Louisiana like Steve, the Native American. Oh, yeah, 0.1%, baby. Uh, Andrus got to start singing in a band for the Church of God in Christ. Um, it's apparently a mostly black Pentecostal church. Um, so when Andrus uh, became the co-lead singer, it pissed off the original singer so much that they formed Andrus Blackwood and Company uh, because the other lead co-lead was Terry Blackwood, uh, and they both left the Imperials to form this band. 
Uh, up until that time, Terry had been in the Imperial since 1967. That's so a long run for an Imperial. Yeah, long yeah. T- <laughs> yeah it is. Uh, they left in 1976 to go go to that Yacht Jesus route, and after striking up a friendship with Bruce Hibbard, who I mentioned. Yeah, um, good old Hibbard. And Hadley Hockensmith, Hockensmith uh, they, they, uh, they were, in fact, part of this company on this. Uh, we have Hadley on guitar, and, of course, Hibbert, he wrote it. Um, joining them is Abe Laborial on bass, Randy Goodrum. Oh! Randy Goodrum. What a mighty Goodrum. On keyboards. Scene 29. Okay, continue. And Larry Williams and Jerry. Hey. On horns, which is quite a, a lineup. Great, that's a great mainstream lineup. Um, Secular and, lineup. Andrews Blackwood and Company would span the entire sort of Yacht Rock era from 76 to 86, but their last album was uh, in 1984. Uh, I think I read. I, I read. I'm trying to pull this out of my, my memory. I think they their last show was at a Six Flags. Ooh. In 1986, I may, I may have been in Chicago, but uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah, one. I'm more of a St. Louis Six Flags guy. I've been to that Six Flags. Uh, I have to say, judging by the record covers, I just want everybody to know these guys seem pretty sweet and worthy of lauded black-white fun-time dude duos such as Riggs and Murtaugh, Han and Lando, Crockett and Tubbs, and whatever Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines' characters were named. Uh, running and Scared. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> What's this album called again? Uh, Do you remember? It doesn't matter. Anyway, if you can find this album cover, it's incredible. It's just the two guys shot in front of a black background wearing great, great fashion, mm-hmm. backlit and ph- photographed beautifully. Jesus was on that F-stop, motherfuckers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Number eight. It was Soldier of the Light. Okay, check out Soldier of the Light. Christ is the son of an old Skyman, but also he is also that Skyman come down to Earth and when you die, you go to another dimension. That's what a fool believes. And we say Scientology is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right, people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty nuts. This is... It really is. This is off Cable Ace Award winner Benny Hester's album, Nobody Knows Me Like You, which sounds like something a high school teacher would say to his student before trying to bone her. Ew. This album came out in 81, which means Michael O'Mardian had to set down his armload of Christopher Cross Grammys to produce this and play keys on it. He brought on Abe Laborio, the doobie congist Bobby Lakind. Uh, two songs off this album are already on the boat, and this makes three, making Benny Hester one of the most Yatsky-approved artists on the chart. Oh, boy, guys. Uh, I, I want to mention Marty Walsh is on guitar on this. He's Hadley Light, and he also played with uh, Neil Diamond, including on Heartbreak. Great song. He's a low-grade yachter, then. Um, uh, this, uh, oh, yeah, this one feels a little new wappy with those snaps. Yeah, it does. But you can't deny that. I can't that hear him right now, though. Yeah. I don't know why. Listen for him. But you can't deny the Doobie Bounce. It's ripped up well enough to turn street-tough Robbie Dupree to the Lord. You know, this sounds like this would be a Robbie Dupree. This is... Yeah. It's got a little Dupree on this. Yeah. When he went back to New York. It's Dupree as an adjective. <laughs> This is a Dupree song. Um, Like all contemporary Christian songs, this is about being shitty, but that's okay because Jesus will make you feel okay. Uh, This is why they try to sound like other kinds of music, to draw in the regular folks 
like some kind of Viet Cong jungle trap. <laughs> because they feel like we're all of us regular people are all damaged. Well, I mean, we are. And what? Yeah, so are they. But once they trip, once they trap us, they can give us the straight dope we've been lo- we've been too lost to hear. That Jesus will make us feel better. Is that what the Viet Cong jungle traps were all about? They were trying to get regular music fans. I seem to remember punji sticks in a pit. I was reading about one where, like, you fall in the pit, or you're like digging around the pit, and uh, and a poisonous snake comes and bites you in the eye. Wow. JD was watching Platoon when he was writing this. You know what a punji stick is, right? Uh, you know. it's, it's a pit that you would normally fall into, like the old uh, Wiley e. Coyote right. pit. But they put bamboo spikes in it, so you'd fall on the spikes. But they'd also put a turd on the end of the spike, <laughs> so your wound would get infected. Oh, interesting. Punji yeah. sticks. The snakes that they would use, uh, they call them like three, three-step vipers, because once you get bit by them, you take three steps before you die. Yeah. Probably a pit viper. Yeah. So anyway, that's what that's what a Christian contemporary music is to me. Um, Benny went on to be involved in a hit kids sketch show on Nickelodeon called Roundhouse, for which he won a Cable Ace Award. He's also one of the most boring people I've ever had the pleasure of covering on Beyond Yacht Rock. <laughs> I found a fact about him when I was trying to find songs that he might have also been yachty on. He, uh, he had one of the biggest hits in the history of Christian radio a few years after this song. It was called When God Ran. And I listened to that. Like, oh, what's, about what, Trump? Is, what is one of the biggest hits in, in Christian radio history? Sound like, it's so boring. It's just a sappy ballad. Here's, here's my problem with Christian rock in general, and it's the same problem I have with the band Pansy Division. They only sing about one goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a guy who's in a joke band that only sings about karate. I mean, even Andrew W.K. has songs that, that aren't, aren't about, about partying. partying. Yes. He has an album not about Jesus. It was his first one, and it was featured on Girls. That's what we talked about the first time we talked about him. Andrew W.K.? Oh, no, no. Benny Hester. Yeah, Benny Hester. Oh. I'm not talking about Benny Hester. I'm it's talking actually, about Christian was, Rock. Yeah, he's a Christian I'm just saying, Benny Hester didn't... <laughs> Pay attention, Dave. Touchdown, Jesus. <laughs> Touchdown, Jesus. Number seven. Is that what they call... Uh, that's What's his Notre, Notre Dame. Oh. Notre Dame is, uh, there's a Jesus that's that, standing in the back. Who's that guy who kneels and everybody's happy? Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Broncos quarterback. John Elway? Tim <laughs> Tebow. Yeah, Tebow. Tim Tebow. He's touchdown Jesus. Uh, who's got this song? Who's no, this is me. This is me. Right. Just waiting for you guys to quit yapping. All right. This is, uh, this guy's great. This is Robbie Duke, not the same. Wait, it's pronounced Robbie, not Roby? It's have Robbie. I've been saying it wrong in my head the whole time. I believe you have, Steve. I'm calling him Roby, I don't care. Yeah, you know what? Welcome to the light, fellas, because it's Robbie Duke, not the same. He looks like Richard Carn's simple minded Christian older brother. <laughs> and this is the title track from his 1980 album, Not the Same. How's that for some research? That's good. <laughs> I just want to fill fill one thing in here. Mm-hmm. Hibbert and Hawkinsmith are on this one. Also, Marty Walsh, I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, what well, well, you have a nickname for Robbie Duke? Well, I mean, he's the original pussy, <laughs> pussy magnet. That's yeah. it. The guy's, the guy's a good-looking guy. Yeah, at 26, he looked like he was 54. And at 54, Girls a night. <laughs> and at 54 he was dead. 
Thanks, Steve. It's it's really he's so he's so he's so hot. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. that the bridge of this song has a lyric in the middle of the night. Oh, here it is. I was a lonely man. No, you, no, you weren't, Robbie. Well, no, I, when I meant pussy magnet, I meant it was like the reverse pussy magnet. Where oh, it was like, oh, you know, like it, it forces it, it things away. Right. Okay, okay. Um, Hadley Hockensmith doesn't. He doesn't as much as we talked about him. He doesn't appear as much as I thought he would on the countdown. Well, I, we varied a lot on yeah. this. We tried to find more stuff, but, um, but like, but here's a fun fact. He, um, he played on Amy Holland's "How Do I Survive." With uh, along with Mr. Amy Holland, who's Ooh. a former Doobie Brother vocalist and keyboard player. He's good. Oh, that's a hot connection. And yeah. they were they were Christian-ish. They were kind of like swirling around that at the time. Oh, oh yeah, I bet I bet Michael McDonald goes to church. Yeah, see, or he did. Yeah. Um, there's no killer guitar solo in this song. Um, they give that to the sax man. But there's a part where the guitar is rocking particularly strong, and that's probably Hadley. Yeah. Rami was more of a more of a folk singer, acoustic guitar guy, especially in his later years. This particular album was pretty damn yachty, but to me it's an example of a Christian musician trying to create a more complex sound. Like she's like, let me let me see if I can do that yacht rock sound. Uh, there's not a lot out there about Robbie Duke, but he did release seven albums. All of them were Christian. None of them charted. Uh, in his final years, he was a part of something called Christian Musician Summit. It's a music group for Christian students that provides practical training and resource for musicians, leaders, technicians, songwriters, and indie artists to improve skill and inspire talent for God's glory. Sounds pretty great, right, guys? That part about improving skill sure sounds pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he died in 2007, the day after Christmas, of a heart attack, three days after playing his final live performance at Calvary Chapel, just up the 101 in Thousand Oaks. His final song was I Shall See God, which made everybody there think that the Lord was calling him home. I gotta say, man, all the stuff you said about him that made him sound like he maybe was poor and then all this stuff, Robin Duke, he's the king of heaven right now. Yeah. He's up there, man. Well, the uh, the, the painting that was uh, done at his memorial just shows him hugging Jesus, mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought, I, I'll bet that's the first glimpse of him in heaven. Robbie Duke is up there uh, nailing boards to the to the windows and doors as uh, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith uh, <laughs> <laughs> approach their end years. It's it's interesting to me that while several artists of a non-secular nature would dip into Christian music as a way to expand their fan base, while so many Christian artists would ape the popular sound for the same reason, my theory is uh, strictly profit, which is one thing Christianity and record labels have in common. Robbie Duke, however, was not somebody who was just chasing a profit. Um, I really wanted to make fun of him on this, but then I started looking him up and I read his eulogy and people that were posting. And He just seemed like a really good man that wanted to share his thoughts on God with like-minded people, not one of those assholes that tell you about Jesus when you didn't ask. Those people are terrible. You know, I, I feel bad for, uh, you know, making fun of his look a little bit, but here's the thing. I he found, looked really funny. <laughs> I, found, I found Robbie Duke, Robbie Duke, whichever one's correct. A lot of the ways, the same way I find a lot of the stuff in the bargain bins or the dollar bins at the record store, is I look and I go, 
Is this guy got a good look? And I pull it out, and I look, and I turn it around, and yeah. sure enough, he plays with the Yacht Rock guys and put it on, and <laughs> no, there no. it is. He very much looked like uh, Richard Carnes' character in Home Improvement, mm-hmm. who was Al. Mm-hmm. Uh, but imagine Al was a little bit older, a little bit balder, a little bit fatter. And maybe looked like he was uh, a lot happier. Happier because he may be mentally challenged. No, not at all. Listen to this guy. He's fucking great. But and and then you find out he was 26 in that photo. (laughs) Was it even? I thought he was 24. Wow. Well, he he didn't look like a day under 70. Regardless, if you go through the (laughs) through the through the dollar bins and you just poke through and find a lot of sad-looking white guys. Odds are it's a Yacht Rock album. I mean, 8 out of 10. If they, Especially if they have a beard, going a little bald on top. But they look oddly confident. Yeah. That's that's what really sells it. They look yeah. really confident. Because they know Jesus loves them. Yeah. They know no, they no, no, can... no, no, no. I'm not talking about just yeah, Jesus. I mean, oh, in his no. particular case, yes. But they know they know how... They know they know how to play an instrument really well. Yeah, they know they got the fucking best of the best to play in their album, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so cool. We only have a, we only have so many of these. So much fun stuff we could talk about. But instead, let's talk about Third Day with This Is Who I Am from from the movie Fireproof. Um, I I think this is okay. So this is a, I'm pretty sure this was a song from a Kirk Cameron movie. Mm-hmm. That's I didn't have a lot of information going into this. Um, and I ne- I never heard of or seen, but I assumed it was about his incredible masturbation addiction, otherwise medically known as normal masturbation. <laughs> uh, so I yeah I looked it up and sure enough, it's about Kurt Cameron masturbating. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, according to Wikipedia, I think we all need to see this movie. By the way, you know what? I just want to say at least it's not about superheroes. Yeah, and so, thank God. Um, we listen. This sounds awesome. At work, Caleb, he's a firefighter, hence fireproof. At work, Caleb underscores the importance of never leaving one's partner while at home. So weird. Yeah. Like uh, even in the bathroom? Probably not. Here's the thing about firefighters: they're usually like two weeks on. They're used to going to the bathroom together. Well, they're usually two weeks on, two weeks off, uh-huh. or even longer. Yeah, because so they spend they spend a long time at the fire station. Yeah, because they were out seeing their wife. So when he's off, he has to spend all his time with her because he's got. So it. she doesn't find out about his masturbation. Well, listen, listen to this. Listen okay, to this now. Sorry. Listen to this. Okay, so uh, so he never leaving his partner at home. He and Catherine argue I co- think that's, copiously. That's just a badly written sentence. There should uh, be punctuation somewhere in there, but there isn't. So oh, never leaving one's partner come while at home. Oh, okay, okay, anyway. While at home, he and yeah. Catherine are yeah. okay. okay. Good, uh, great point, Steve. Uh, so Catherine accuses Caleb of being selfish due to his desire to buy a boat, taking preference over paying her mother's medical bills. These people are voting Republican who are against universal health care 
And so Caleb can't buy a fucking boat. He just wants to buy a boat. You shouldn't have to pay your mother's medical bills. You should be able to buy boats in America. Vote Democratic, Christians. He's anyway. he's a fireman. His his job is to okay. basically die in a fire. Yeah, but the opposite of that is being on water. Wanting Let to him have a boat. But guys, he's trying to balance the four elements in his life. Wanting to buy a boat is just one of his two sins. She's also frustrated over his habitual use of internet pornography. They don't say what for, but he uses it. And then it says, luring kids onto his boat. Then it says, Caleb, Caleb feels unappreciated and undervalued. Not Catherine. I'm dreaming about boats and jerking off to porn. Leave me alone, woman. He feels unappreciated. What's what's Catherine's job? She's a nurse. She has an affair with a doctor. It's a whole thing. Not a real affair. It's the start of an affair. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, they never, they never uh, consummate. Yeah, they never do the deed. I wonder why it's fireproof. There's no challenge. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, there's no, there's, 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 there's no conflict. <laughs> the only thing that happens is the mother-in-law dies and nobody cares. <laughs> you got to pay some bills. Come on, jerk off. This lady has big whoopies. Listen, he only had enough money for, for, for the medical bills. Or the funeral. Which one are you going to pick? <laughs> you can't pick both. Medical bills or funeral on a boat? <laughs> Pull that plug. It's got an outboard motor and a racing stripe. This movie was made for half a million dollars. And, oh well, I know that all the locations were donated, which is insane to me. I did a Mormon movie oh, a long time ago. Oh, this is this is so insane. This is, yeah, listen to um, this. Yeah. It was number four in the box office charts. It made number four, the highest grossing independent movie of 2008. Like Dave said, made for a half a million with an all-volunteer cast of suckers. Yeah. Have some self-respect, you stupid Christians. Get paid for the talents Jesus gave you. Yeah, you don't give that away for free. You deserve... Yeah, listen, so the movie made um, 6.8 million its opening weekend, went on to make 33 million. 30 million. All the that 84th top grossing movie of 2008. Most of that mo money went to the pockets of people who are already rich, and you people gave away your labor. Yep. As Christian films have to be, the film was marketed through church publications and pastors talking about oh, it man, in their let's sermons. Listen to this one again. One more time. This song is so cool. Um, so instead of space being taken up in the sermons by, hey, let's go feed some poor people this weekend, they said, hey, go make some dudes rich by seeing a Kirk Cameron movie this weekend. I mean, I'd be totally cool if these people weren't Christians, but they say they're Christians, and mm. Christ is about poor people. But you did. I, well, first off, I bet you, I bet you everybody who donated their time and everything wrote it off as a donation to a Christian organization. It's and, still not worth as much as. And we don't know how much they gave off to keep up the charade of, of the tax exempt status of that thirty. Oh my whatever God, million. It's all so sick. It's all so sick. Leave your churches now, people. But really, or join a church call and become a rich chin. Because be, that's what you're supporting. To be fair, religious organizations are the like largest charitable organizations, and like they do the yeah, most. But where's work it going? In the, to, to to poor mostly people, mostly homeless people. <sighs> it's a lot more than like you know. They're just gonna spend it on drugs. There's more efficient <laughs> ways of doing it. Well, you know, but the, but the the opposite of this is like corporate. The opposite Cor of this is, is is light democratic capitalist socialism. No, like Susan G. Komen or something like that that gets pushed. Isn't, uh, they don't, isn't they don't the Catholic Church still the largest property owner in the United States, in the world? Sure it is. Listen, 
basic basic income, fucking free food for kids. I'm just saying you're getting angry and you don't really know the, all the answers of what. I know all the party. answers. The answers are these people are given to charity, but they also drive Cadillacs, live in mansions. Some of them do. A lot of them. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Cameron does, and he has a really nice, really fast computer too. I <laughs> yeah, great head of hair. Uh, and I bet he has a boat on his palms. You think Kirk Kirk, Kirk Cameron has a boat? I think he, he has, has boat? multiple boats. Yeah. I'm fired up. This band is called Third Day. They probably baptizes people. They're the real deal. They sold a lot of albums. Uh, they're rich and they're not going to heaven. You guys ready for pl- for plug hole? Anything else? Let's Steve? move on. Yeah. Uh, plug hole. Plug hole. Plug hole. Plug hole. I don't know where. I don't know. Plug hole. Plug hole. I don't know where. I don't know where a plug hole sting plug went. Hole. My plug hole sting. Do we is have missing. the plug hole bed? Yes, it's playing now. Okay. Bumpers today. This is Yacht Rock Bot's plug hole bid. Oh. Bumpers today by Trevor Wogan at Trevor Wogan. Great job, Trevor. I uh, enjoy his Yacht Rock Bot. Uh, so He's not Yacht Rock Bot. Yacht Rock Bot wrote the bed. Trevor Wogan at Trevor Wogan made our bumpers today. Oh, well, Trevor seems cool, too. Yeah. So, uh, praise Jesus. Um, it's our final Patreon nicknames. I went through all the names, and I cross-referenced them in my spreadsheet, and I figured out who needed a nickname. Um, and if I made a mistake or you got, well, one, if you got two nicknames, you're welcome. Congratulations. If, if, I, uh, if I didn't give you a nickname, uh, send us a message because uh, we only have... Anyways. Um, and we're not doing Patreon anymore, so... yeah. Okay, so here we go. We got some last-second quartermasters. Do you want me to read these, or do you, does anybody else want to read some of these nicknames? Uh, let's go. Let's 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 do a roundtable. Okay. You start, and we'll go in. Uh, we'll, right. go clock, we'll go counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Catherine with K Y Smith, Jeremy Mechanical Trout Cargill, Michael Unpronounceable. <laughs> CZYZ. <laughs> oh, you got a, you got the good one. Try it. Try pronouncing it. Size. Sis. I would guess it would be sis. Sis. I mean, but. Zhuzh. I have a fr- I have a friend named Zerly. Zer- it'd be Ziz. It's probably Ziz. Ziz. Maybe it's maybe he says, um, it maybe it's weird like Tiz or Jit or who knows. Yeah. These Polish names are crazy. Shiz. Uh, Dennis. Tennis Baloney Malo- Mahoney. Dennis Tennis Baloney Mahoney. Uh, Henning 2% Milke. Deborah Glossy Not Matt Brousseau. Rachel What Isn't Love Hadaway. Beth What Can't I Do Miller. Okay, we, we get, well, punch that up a little bit. Like, hit those, hit those. Rachel What Isn't Love Hadaway. Okay. Beth What Can't I Do Miller. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, John El Taco Gigantic Hunt. <laughs> Brad the Finish Nail Hutchinson. Julia. Whoa, Joey Lawrence. David Roundball Cockdash. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm going to miss somebody laugh. Uh, Dave Smelly Belly Kelly. Alex Manglue Bond. <laughs> All right, here we go. Sveinbjorn Fjord Liord Paulson. Fjord Liord. Fjord Liord. Paulson. Cody Kipped Winger. No, no, no. Come on. Cody Kipped Winget. 
Uh, Chris Sugar Booger Scott. Isaac, two points. Oh, my God. Onigman. No, you're, you're <laughs> supposed to do the two points. I'm, I didn't write that in. What? I'm supposed to point twice? Yeah. And then do it. Yeah. So do it again with the points. Isaac. Two points. No, don't say the two points. You're supposed to point your... Isaac, every time you do your nickname, you're supposed to point two fingers at somebody, like some funds or something. Well, this is no, like, like Isaac from Love Book, oh, you like fucking Isaac assholes. Fucking Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Isaac, out of sight. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. Just say, oh my God. Never mind. Isaac, oh my God. Onigman. Onigman. And last but not least, Sam Slider Buns Tonning. All right. I don't get that one. What was, can you explain a joke to me? Well, he's just, he's little buns. Yeah. He's got buns the size for sliders. Oh, go to, all right. Go to yachtrock.com. Nice tight butt. Buy some buttons. Okay, bye. Just keep, not buy. Back to the countdown. I just looked up what were the smallest buns that they make, and they were slider buns. <laughs> so that became his nickname. And JD helped out with some of those nicknames. The the funniest ones. Good job, JD. Thank you. Yeah, he did the oh my hey, god. Hey guys, should we take a moment and I'll clap for JD? <laughs> um Okay. Wait, hold on, wait, pause, hold on one second, one second. Hold on, back to plug. Hold on. I saw a yacht rock band last night. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get Yachty into this. by nature. And I said on Twitter, hey guys, I'm coming to your concert in Monrovia in the park Sunday night. And I'm going to watch you guys, and if you fuck up, I'm going to drag your name through the mud. Met the guys, one of the guys' wives. He said they freaked out, took out their pen, crossed out all sorts of shit they usually play. They gave gave this crowd a 100% Yacht Rock show. The crowd loved it. Every song was above 50 on the Yachtsky scale. It was so good. A great show. Yachty by nature cares. They play their instruments. Book them. Yacht Rock Review, time to give up your worthless trademark. This should be called the Yacht Rock Band. I'm going to form a band called the Yacht Rock Band. I don't give a fuck anymore. Hi, folks. Bruso the Produso here. Here to talk about keeps for keeping your hair. Now, if you're anything like me, you got a decent set of hair, wavy, Hollywood Steve-esque. Maybe if you're like me, you're worried that one day you're going to look like that JD guy. Just completely clean on top. Well, that's why we have Keeps. There are only two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair. You get it. And now they're inexpensive and easy to get. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few questions, snap a couple pictures of your head, and they're going to have a licensed doctor remotely review your information, recommend the right treatment for you. You won't even have to leave your couch, considering, or, you know, desk chair or hacienda, wherever you do your business. What Keeps does is they offer the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there, but they're cheaper, and now they're easier to get. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, plus now you get your first month free. Yes, it really works, and yes, it's completely safe. And there's no reason to put this off any longer. You can stop your hair loss today, the easy way, with Keeps. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash yachtrock. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash yachtrock. 
That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash yacht rock. Keeps. Air today, air tomorrow. Okay, anyway, back to the countdown. This is nice. It's got a good sound, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's Yeah Jesus. Mm-hmm. It all sounds good until you listen to the lyrics. Um, <laughs> so I had th- I had this album. I owned this album, but I threw it away before I got to this song. Um, at the time, I had no idea what Yacht Jesus or Murr Records was, and I bought it just because they had sweet tropical outfits on, and they were in the tropics. And uh, I, I gave uh, uh, See the Dave Lyons Memorial Visual Aid below so you can see. Yeah. Wouldn't you buy that album? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a guy in a white coat and uh, an Aloha shirt underneath holding his lady tight. Well, I know you'd buy it. Yeah. Because it looks yeah. like a Jimmy Buffett. It looks like no, that's not why I would buy it. It looks like I'd buy it because I love a white coat over a tropical shirt. There's a parrot. And it makes me think of the movie Twins. And then I added my own visual aid. When you dress like Jimmy, a Jimmy Buffett fan? No, when I dress like the 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 a formal Jimmy Buffett fan. No, I dress like the uh, movie poster of, of Twins. Uh, Bob and Pauline Wilson look like your divorced uncle and his new wife. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's some divorce court going on there because she's what, like 23, and he's pushing. No, I 50? think they're the same age. <laughs> he, oh. just look, he just looks like somebody you would pick through the dollar bin, yeah. just like me, and go. He's got that a, guy's got a good look. Bet you there's some. Yeah, he's got a touch there. of the Robbie Duke going on. Uh, um, his nose is so big it almost goes down entirely over his mustache. Anyway, yeah. continue. So Bob and pa- Pauline were married at the time of this. Uh, not sure if they still are. <laughs> And they were uh, a part of the jazz fusion group Sea Wind. Ooh. This is why this is why I had to put these guys on here. Um, they were famous for being from Hawaii and introducing the world to the Sea Wind horns, which were Larry Williams, Jerry, hey hey hey, along with Kim Hutchcroft, who uh, who plays who plays the flute. Is yeah. Kim a man or a woman? A man, of course. Um, who Not is a single woman? Typical. <laughs> Pauline Wilson. She's singing. There's not a single female instrument player. Pauline DaCosta. Who is, uh, so Kim Hutchcroft, he had been named fewer times, but he's still very yachty. And they were all on Thriller, um, the Seawind Horns. Uh, This here song and album, while giving the credit to the Wilsons, was basically, it it was a Seawind album, but it seemed like they didn't want to be labeled as Christian. So they're like, you do that yeah, stuff over that. there, Boink, we'll play on it. It's going to sound pretty much what our other stuff sounds like. Um, so I guess Bob was a drummer from Arizona, and he ended up uh, in the Navy. He was stationed at Pearl Harbor. Uh, Pauline, on the other hand, that's how I made it out to Hawaii. Because mm-hmm. um, Hawaii is a weird place to be a band yeah. like, and have that weird start, unless you're all from Hawaii. Hard to tour yeah. when you're in Hawaii. Yeah, well, there's a few islands. Um, Pauline, on the other hand, was she was from the Big Island and uh, comes from, she was Hawaiian, and she comes from a family of musicians um, and was discovered as a lounge singer in Honolulu by a bunch of these sea wind guys, um, including uh, Bob Wilson. Um, also, this song is about Jesus and features Paulina da Costa. Uh, the what a combo! Both very um, mythical, um, <laughs> omnipresent beings. <laughs> Jesus and Paulino. Yeah. Um, 
I think this song's a shame because it's musically it's beautiful. There's a really intense pre-chorus and a sweet bridge, totally smooth and yachty. But instead of like sweet, smooth lyrics about a guy who, who, who sad he hasn't gotten blown in a while, it's a stupid boilerplate Jesus crap sung to like a really clunky meter. Really yeah. jamming the words into anyway. The um, it's really kind of bush league. Remember when you remember when we used to be friends with Julian? Yes. Oh, McCullough. Yeah, oh, yeah well, I'm having lunch are. with him this week. No, he never invites us anymore. But remember when you invited my kid to my kids to his apartment's yeah. pool. Yeah, his I'm having pool. I'm having lunch with him. Okay, this week. remember when, you, when I was friends with Julian McCullough? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, he never liked you. And we were and we did a show. Yes. And we had to pick. Uh, songs that are bands that were somehow connected to Lakes, the, water. the ocean, ocean water. Yeah. Yeah. One of mine was Sea Wind. Mm-hmm. And everybody looked at me like I was a real weirdo. Who's laughing now? Everybody still. Number five. Oh boy, here's here's I've been waiting two years for this song. <laughs> here's the king and queen, Michael and Stormy O'Mardian with Mr. Trashman. Uh, JD already covered Michael's impact on Yacht Jesus in the intro. I'll just remind you all, you gotta start as one of the Rock's premier producers with his work for one of the genre's preeminent singer-songwriters. I'm talking of course about Roger Vodouris. Of course, Another Greek reference. Mm-hmm. Of course, yep, it's all over. <laughs> wow, it's all it's, over. It's really there. Song. We're really uncovering a pattern. Super Greek. This is like that Nick Cage movie. Uh, of course, Michael then went on to work with Christopher Cross, Maxis, Kenny Loggins, and the great Debbie Boone. Uh, Michael used his lucrative yacht production work in part to finance his own yacht Jesus visions. Uh, all those albums are out of print. Only bits and pieces are available on YouTube. Uh, the most complete one, mainstream from 1982, is just a bunch of weird prog shit that he got Christopher Cross to sing back up on a little bit. But there were at least a couple of yacht nuggets to dig out. And this is uh, Hunter's Hunter's favorite called Mr. Trash Man. It's from the 1980 album The Builder, uh, which is one of several credited to Michael and his wife Stormy as a duo. Uh, as far as I can tell, the, the way they work, Michael writes the music, and Stormy writes most, if not all, of the lyrics. They were married back in 1973, a year before Michael released his first solo album, White Horse, which sounds a little like a cross between Blood, Sweat, and Tears and the Sons of Champlin singing about Jesus. But was actually about heroin. Hmm. You know, this song is a great contrast to the last song. The lyrics are still Jesus crap, but like Stormy wrote them knowing they were going into a song. So there's a really nice meter to it. It flows very nicely. Well, Pauline's very sassy. Mm. Stormy's not as sassy. <laughs> this is this, and Stormy's lyrics here. They're, they're, why, why is it about a trash man? Well, it's, they've cleaned a bunch of negative shit out of their hearts, so they can make a fresh start with Jesus. So they're very glad that Mr. Trashman is sent to take to take all these items away. And Abe Laboreal is on bass too. Boom! Man, he played on everything. I think that, yeah, yeah, Jesus may have been how he kind of found his way in. Yeah. Kind of yeah, sort in. of a backdoor Jesus. <laughs> this is not the only song on this album where they call upon skilled professionals to help them spiritually. There's another one I found called Dr. Jesus. Not a real doctor. You don't know that. 
And it stars up Dr. Jesus, it hurts so bad right here. Oh, would you be so kind to check here deep inside my heart and just below my mind? I believe Dr. Jesus went to one of those Caribbean medical schools. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you're getting those words wrong. So I he's think a- it's uh, check deep inside my heart and blow my mind. And I think it's a really sexy just lyric. Blow my mind. Okay. Yeah. He's an anyway. ear, nose, and a heart doctor. It, this song, this song has more of a uh, heart on doctor. If you know <laughs> what I mean. It hurts so bad right here. I mean, what else are you gonna do? That song has a really bizarre funk breakdown about 145 in. And it's not a yacht rock song, but you should go listen to it because it's a fucking trip. Uh, I want to talk about Stormy too. I want to give, I want to give the lady equal time. The queen of Yacht Jesus. She actually has her own successful career outside of music right now. She's a best selling Christian author who writes books about prayer. And hit. Oh, yeah. What? And she made some great workout videos in the 80s. Some Christian workout videos. Oh. Yeah, I posted one on Slack, but nobody checks stuff like this. Anyways, continue. Her, 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 big book, her big hit book was The Power of a Praying Wife, and she spun that off into a franchise. He's got books like The Power of a Praying Husband, Parent, yeah, seems like an obvious kid, follow-up. Teen, Woman, Mom, The Power of Praying as You Graduate, The Power of Praying for Your Adult Children, and the latest one, The Power of Praying Through Fear. You know, you kind of got a life arc there as you go along. She's also got other types of books about prayer, but this is her bread and butter. Uh, she has not yet written The Power of a Praying Trash Man, unfortunately. Uh, she was also once an aspiring actis- actress who dated Steve Martin for a little while while they were uh, both starting out and uh, working together at Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, yeah, in the Birdcage Theater. Yeah, which if you guys don't know Knott's Berry Farm, it's a theme park out in Southern California. It's not the literal Knott's Berry Farm because white people don't take jobs picking fruit in this country. Huh. Slid that right in there. (laughs) Smooth. I'm saying people are always complaining about uh, Mexicans coming to this country and taking their jobs. And then then farm owners are talking about hiring white people and them just leaving. Because they're lazy. Lazy white people. Yep. Don't want to work. Stormy's highest profile gig seems to have been playing a ditzy blonde on Glenn Campbell's variety show. And if you go to her website and you read Stormy's story, the first thing she says is that her abusive, mentally ill mother kept her locked in a closet for most of early childhood. You wouldn't know if I heard workout videos. (laughs) No. (laughs) Or her love of Jesus. (laughs) By the time, she writes, by the time I was in my 20s, I was still locked in a closet emotionally. Oh, I see what she did there. Solid segue. I tried everything I knew to get out of that closet of pain. I drank alcohol, took dangerous amounts of drugs, went deeply into Eastern religions, the occult, and unhealthy relationships. So in other words, she moved to Southern California and tried to get into show business, which is what many other fucked up people also do. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. Yep, me too. I got one more fun fact. Michael and Stormy have co-written a full-length musical about the birth of Christ called Child of the Promise. It's really graphic. (laughs) (laughs) NC-17. mostly gynecological. Uh, The all-star cast recording is on Sparrow Records, and they got a lot of fucking people to be on it. Richard Marks, Donna Summer, Vince Gill, Amy Grant, David Pack, Michael Crawford from Phantom of the Opera, 
Howard Hewitt from Shalimar. Oh. Uh, Russ Taff. Who's that a, guy? And a bunch of other Christian singers. More on Russ Taff later. Russ Taff. Um, they, I think they also, I don't, oh, sorry, you still had, did you want to read that I have quote? one quote from Michael O'Mardian about his handiwork. I am a huge fan of the musical Les Miserables, so if there is any comparison of Child of the Promise, it would have to be the stately melodies of Les Miserables. The greatest, one of the greatest musicals ever written, sure, I, I, Michael. I think these, I think they were both, um, Michael and Stormy were both part of uh, uh, like a group called Second Chapter Acts. Which is like was like a big Christian group and not yacht rock at all. If you ever look it up, it's terrible. I think they were part of that. Anyways, that's not in. I want to go. Oh, sorry, Dave. Oh, you have something stupid to say? Yeah, it was pretty stupid. I read Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up, and he does talk about her. I think I need to go back and read it. It's hmm. probably pretty interesting. It talks about her demons. And JD rolled his eyes while I said it because he's a dick. You just like telling us that you've read a book. Red two. Number four. Oh, this is good. Yeah, right off the top there, you hear it? I, I kind of took a bit of a different approach to my research uh, than I normally do by... I did some. <laughs> this has been a earworm, by the way, so yeah. good, good work. Thank you. <laughs> I looked up top-selling Christian artists from the 70s and 80s, and I listened to a whole bunch of garbage until I found one of them co-opting a yacht sound. That's how I found this one. This is DeGarmo and Key with Amy Grant, Nobody Loves Me Like You. There's Amy. These guys started re- releasing records in 1978, and they were always Christian musicians. This one is, as I said, Nobody Loves Me Like You, from the movie This Ain't Hollywood. Album. Uh, I can only assume that they were That's trying to say movie. that uh, Hollywood is a soulless, evil place, and of course they're right, but probably for the wrong reasons. This is some quality Michael McWild-style lyrics, man. It's singing. In fact, one of these guys on the album cover looks like Loggins and Michael McDonald had a baby that put on a red shirt. Yeah, this, uh, the, the doobie bounce in here, they are just trying so, like, they sound like they're trying to be. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah there's Oh, nothing. really? I don't hear it. Huh? <laughs> Hold on a second. We'll listen. So this features what uh, was then a relatively new artist. We uh, talked about her earlier, taking the Christian Airways by storm, Amy Grant. She had put out three albums by this already. She started in 1977. She was 16. Yeah. And by now, she's 19. Yeah, she probably she could bone to Garmo and Key if she wanted. Yeah. This probably, one's a legit... Did. This, one's a, this one's a legit outlier as far as personnel goes, um, besides, obviously, Amy Grant. Um, but she just got on the boat. But, Dave, you'll be happy to know one of the background singers is named Jack Holder. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> It's a good name. That's really funny. Drive anybody to Christ. Yeah, I thought I wrote more about this, but I didn't. <laughs> um, this was released on Lion and Lamb Records, which is uh, the home of Pat Boone. So Pat Boone must have been the lion, and these badasses are the mother... Or, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Pat Boone must have been the lamb, and these badasses were the motherfucking lions. And just, uh, just so we know here, Hadley Hockensmith played with the Boones. Yep. Oh, that's did. one of his earlier... That's one of his uh, ways of getting into the sound. So when you be on Yacht Rock listeners, uh, step back and listen to this playlist, which you should do because these songs are incredible. This song you will find is one of the most sneakiest Jesus songs you'll ever hear. Yeah. Um, that was, Sneaky Jesus would make a great genre in and of itself. 
nothing in this song says anything about Jesus. It's all extremely vague. It's like looking for something. Oh, like you too. Yeah, I guess so. It's extremely I still what? Found what I'm looking for. Um, you so you throw in the lady and boom, it sounds like a love duet with two people singing to each other when they are in fact both singing to Jesus. The idea is, you know, get this mainstream hit, get the degenerate heathens to buy the album, and then we club them over the head with Jesus crap on the other songs until they start giving money to their local church and their pastor's gigantic mansions. Booyah! Pastor Greg has a BMW and you have less money. Congratulations, you're a Christian. Thank you to Garmo and Key. This is a good one, too. These are good songs. These are good songs. Yeah. These are some of the pound-for-pound yachtiest songs. I think most of these songs, I think, are in the 80s and the yachts. Yeah. I wonder if any of these could get essential. I don't know about that, but this is uh, Russ Taft. Tell them. This is off Russ Taft's 1983 album, Walls of Glass, and I got to say, the album cover is uh, Molly Hatchet caliber album covered foolery. Because Russ Taff looks like the wimpiest piece of shit in this little suit and his little mustache. Standing in front of one of those like cube glass walls from a dentist's office. Mm-hmm. He looks like he sells flowers for funerals. You would pick through a dollar bin yeah. and pull this yeah. out, though. No, and you, would, and you would go, this looks like a, a dumb Christian album and throw it away. You would miss this incredible song. He looks like a Catholic church usher who still lives with his mom. If you, you Catholics know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's in every church. But this song. Yeah, no, this album is not wimpy bullshit. This is the opening song, and it warns you right off the bat, this album is going to fucking rock for Christ. And the chorus warns you about the apocalypse as described in Revelations. Lyrics like, nations will fall, the bear will conquer all. He will pull at the walls of the holy land. You know what's a revelation? Rust half and his son and his and his yeah Jesus sound. That's yeah. a revelation. Yeah, hey, that should have been. This is, revelation should have just been. Look out for the Rust Taff album coming out in 1983. Period. Yeah, this song is sexy. Revelation one one. It's the only. It's the only verse and chapter. Like if I if I weren't listening to the lyrics, this song would make me want a bone. But he's talking about this bear. Jesus. Yeah. Listen, this is. He made music. This the music. That this boning music is what made him run to Jesus. That's it's his curse. It's this man's curse. He's too sexy. That and that mustache. <laughs> his suit. Um. So Russ, you know what makes it? Yeah. Well, first of all, Russ has this amazing Bill Champlin-esque voice that just belts, and more importantly, his backup band is Maxis. He's got Robbie Buchanan on e-piano and synth, Michael Lando on guitar, and the lyric out of the bridge, which we're just about to hear, is something like. What would you say when you see God? What will you say? And the answer is, I will look God in the face and give him a fucking burning-ass guitar solo because that's what Landau does, followed by Buchanan with a goddamn fucking hot synth solo. It's incredible. If you ask me, before they uh, met Russ Taft, should have called him Minimus. Am I right? Maxis. Maxis. Minus. <laughs> Minos. Okay, I just wanted to say uh, Marty Walsh. Uh, ha- uh, Hadley's fill, fill in. There's uh, a guitar uh, solo. Yeah. No business in a Christian rock song. Anyway. All the business <laughs> of a Christian rock song. 
Uh, Marty Walsh is on this, and Mike Baird is on drums. He doesn't get named enough, but he's on a shit ton of yacht. He's, his nickname is Pooh Bear. Oh. Did he play with Loggins? Yes. Okay. I assume. Um, I mentioned the champ before in comparing uh, Russ's vocal style to the champ, but the champ actually does sing background vocals in the next song in this album and a few other songs. Jeff Beccaro, Michael O'Martian, Jerry Hay, Lenny Castro, Abel Boreal, Nathan East all appear on this Bonanza Yacht Jesus album with at least two solid yacht songs on it. And by the way, this album was produced and engineered by Bill Schnee, who won a Grammy for engineering... Steely Dan's Asia and Gaucho. Booyah! Booyah kashai, as Ali G would say. Booyah kashai. Uh, I, I also uh, I want to point out that uh, we were talking about the Imperials before with uh, Andrus Blackwood and Company. Never heard and of Co. Uh, Russ Taff is the guy who took Andrus and Blackwood's place in the Imperials as the lead singer after yes. they left. And he, to form their company. Man, I wonder if those Imperials got any Yacht Rock. <laughs> he, uh, uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, he just Russ had a very successful career. He had a CCM anthem called We Will Stand. Now it seems he's a subservient to some guy named Bill Gaither. Uh, he, I oh, guess that's yeah, his yeah. new Under Jesus. Russ tours with him under, he tours under him. Maybe he does his own songs, and he also sings in the Bill Gaither vocal band. Uh, it doesn't seem like Russ Taff is very rich. He'll probably get into heaven. Hmm. Number two. Okay. I might fight for this one to be essential. I, but I, but that's because I might I, fight for the last one to be essential well, too. That, yeah. that, the, both of these. Well, that was all that these, was exactly why I asked the question because I think they're close. Do you hear the guitar solo that this one opens? Yeah, on? mm-hmm. what it starts with. Yeah, like fuck you. Yeah, it's a yacht rock song. Yeah, this is the, yeah this is a good song. Um, so it's got that guitar solo. Uh, that's one way that this is awesome. Also, second, this is uh, by Crystal Murden and called "I Can't Let Go." Off of her only album of the same name from 1980. So she only had one album with the same name? I've been saving this one for a special episode. I thought this was either going to go on maybe Yacht Soul or Women of Yacht, but been saving it and finally got into this Yacht Jesus. Um, I find this to really be the perfect bridge from DeBoat to DeBarge. Uh, Perfect. What a turn of a phrase. That was great. Well, but it's honest, too. Um, This sounds like... This is what I wish DeBarge sounded like to get them fully on the boat. Um, which is why I would probably fight for it because I love both of those sounds. Um, Steve, do you think this is a breath of motherfucking air? You didn't need to make me read this is a breath of fresh motherfucking air. All right. <laughs> could've, could've, <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently he did. Meow. Anyway. Well, there's only two. Anyway. Li- <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote this on the document when nobody else had written anything and I'd been listening to Jesus stuff like for hours on end trying to figure out what I was going to cover, and I heard this song, and I was like, oh, oh Jesus. Thank, oh, thank hey, Jesus. Thank you. thank you, Jesus, for oh. this one. This is okay. Maybe you do exist. <laughs> so, uh, eh. 
So thanks for interjecting, Steve. Um, Crystal Murden, uh, she's on Twitter, at Crystal Murden. Give her a follow. Not a lot of info on her, but I was able I to... I tried to look her up on Wikipedia, and it asked me if I meant Christian murder. Yeah, exactly. It's not a lot of info, but I was able to find an article from 1980 um, at, right after this album was released. Uh, so to summarize, she was the fifth of nine children to two musician parents. Ooh. And after they divorced, uh, she had a bit of a tumultuous childhood. Sexy. Uh, was she locked in a closet ever? By no, her emotionally, mentally unstable mother? She went with her, she lived with her grandparents and then went with another home that wasn't a, like, I don't think it was a foster home, but she was assigned another home by Ew. the courts. Ew, um, but she was able to, but she liked them. They weren't. Just as long as it wasn't Stormy O'Mardian's mom, it was probably okay. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, but they, they had musical instruments around the house, oh. so she got to, you know, be a part of that. Um, so by 18, but. By 18, she was a struggling musician in Washington, D.C., um, and, and was encouraged by fellow church mem members to send a demo tape to Light Records, which is a Texas-based Christian label. So she did, and uh, they eventually signed her. Um, apparently, the reason they signed her was due to Andre Crouch, who is a prominent gospel singer and musician. So remember when I said that Sherman Andrus sang in the Church of God and Christ band? Of course. That, too, was Andre Crouch's band. Um, also, Hadley Hockensmith, uh, I believe he started in Andre Crouch's band. No um, shit. Yeah, just made a lot of these connections while I was doing the research on this um, just by chance. Um, so maybe I maybe need to look into Andre Crouch a little bit. Um, nevertheless, he, champ he championed Crystal and brought her into his group. Um, and eventually helped her to get this album made, um, which also features the talents of Greg Fillingaines, mm. Abe Laboreal, Alex Acuna, yeah. and, of course, Hadley Hawkinsmith. Yeah. Um, to put a bow on this, I looked up her light records. I like looking up the album, the, the labels. Labels are important. They're very, very in, much so. In this Yacht Jesus, I, I do think the labels are Especially very Especially at this time, because their artists were curated. And uh, Light Records was it was definitely a gospel label, and the big names I noticed were the Winans, so maybe they have some uh, Yacht Jesus. Um, but it's definitely, I would say, it's not going to be as good as this. I checked up on this for you. Uh, the Winans debuted in 85, so the production is a little too synthy, but I would say that some of the songs could make it on the boat, and their Let My People Go may be the first identified anti-slavery Yacht Rock song. So get that in your set list, <laughs> Yacht Rock Review. <laughs> but I, I, I just uh, want to say that I just plumb like this song. It's a real good one. Winans. Let my people go. It would go great after the fucking Billy Joel songs you play. Uh. You pieces of shit. Stop bringing it away from Crystal Merton. She's great. She has one album. Give her a follow on Twitter. And tell her how much you love her Yacht Rock on her one album and listen to the album, and it's great. Confuse the hell out of her. <laughs> yeah. Number one. <sighs> this also... Very good. Very good opening. <laughs> this, this, is, this is number one. This is the Imperials with All for the Asking uh, from their 1982 album, Stand by the Power. 
Uh, these guys have a very long history. I'll try to get through it really quickly. Uh, they were founded in late 63 when they were... Uh, uh, they were started by Elvis Presley's favorite southern gospel singer, Jake Hess, who sang at his funeral. And at first they were controversial because they used electric guitars and drums. Which is unheard of in those, 1963. Those imper imperials are breaking boundaries. They sure were. Uh, Jake Hess left in 67 due to health problems. The remaining imperials performed and recorded with Elvis from 1966 to 1971, both on tour and in the studio for multiple gospel albums. Uh, they spent the 70s mostly on the gospel circuit with uh, lead singers Sherman Andrus, who and, we've already heard. And it would have and, been Blackwood right after Hess, yep. too. And uh, later Russ Taff. And uh, then when Russ left, he was replaced by a student from Baylor University named Paul Smith, who had been promoting the group's concert there and managed to slip them a demo tape. Uh, Baylor, by the way, in the news today, because according to a report from PR Week, Baylor officials placed a mole within several support groups for sexual assault survivors as a way to control their messaging and keep the university from looking bad. All right. Fun fact about Baylor. Oh, okay. I anyway, back to the Imperials. Um, huh. Okay, these guys nailed the sound and spun off so many Yacht Jesus groups, they deserve to be number one. Yeah. And the, the song itself is really, really, the composition is very yachty, too. I'll just, I'll just jump off for, uh, the, the, it was composed by James Newton Howard who is best known to the Yadaverse for arranging and conducting the strings on four songs from Toto 4. Uh, prior to that, he'd worked a few years as Elton John's keyboard and synth player. In 1983, he had a live album called James Newton Howard and Friends, where his friends were a bunch of the Toto guys. And he also did a weird little project with a bunch of the Maxis guys called the Sheffield Track Record, Rock Instrumental Tracks for Audio Component Testing and Evaluation. <laughs> You did that with the Maxis guys? Yep. <laughs> All right. It's on YouTube. Like, half of it is on YouTube. Is it Yacht? Yeah, you know, it's kind of generic. It's hard to tell. I think they, I, I feel like they rewrote some other instrumental song, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, James Newton Howard later went on to write the scores for Pretty Woman and The Prince of Tides, and he's worked steadily as a big-time film composer ever since. Been nominated for eight Academy Awards, but has never won, and he has won an Emmy for his opening theme to the show Gideon's Crossing. Hmm. Gideon so looking both ways, thinking about what he's going to do once traffic winds up and slows down a little bit. Here comes our show, Gideon! Stop, don't cross just yet. Gideon's Crossing. It's gonna be a wreck. Don't cross. Gideon's Crossing. Coming to you with laughs every minute and fun times right, for the family. Gideon's Crossing. I think it was a hospital show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gideon's Crossing did not go well. It required a very long stay in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Eight seasons, hence the show. People started crossing over to Jesus. But that's not all the pedigree on this track. What? This album, uh, this is Paul Smith's first album. Uh, as I said before, it was 82, right Stand the by gate. the Power. It's a Yacht Jesus Bonanza. It's got guitar by Lukather and Hadley Hawkins. Jesus. What a team. Among others. 
uh, based by Neil Steubenhaus and Nathan oh, East. Oh, it's the two guys. Yes, yeah, <laughs> those two guys that pop up a lot. Drums by Jeff Percaro and another guy named Carlos Holy Vega, who I saw on a few of these tracks. Not Carlos Vega's. Yep. He's good. Uh, percussion by Lenny Castro. And this was also produced by Bill Schnee, Unbelievable. the Steely Dan engineer. Uh, the group, interestingly, the group recorded their vocals at home in Nashville. Because you can't get men this righteous to even venture into the filthy sin den of Southern California. And if you look at this album cover, they look righteous. These guys are literally shiny. It's like, <laughs> it's like someone took a floor buffer to the Oak Ridge Boys. Um, I have a question. So the Imperials are like the menudo of Christian rock. When people get like... Like two Christian, like like Menudo would age out and have to leave Menudo. These guys get like too Christian and have to get, or would they get like they get too like they get so Christian they had to have form their own groups. They I would don't. have to go solo. I don't know about that. Andrews and Blackwood, uh, Russ Taft. I see a pattern forming. They they get called to a different ministry is what yeah. happens. I think is how they usually. I think a lot it. of it is they find a way to make more money. And, and, not, and I assume the Imperials now are com- a completely different group than the original Imperials. Uh, mostly. There's, uh, they, they are still together, I think, as far as I could tell. Uh, there was, See, there was, JD, one, there was if, one founding member oh, okay. uh, named Armand Morales. He's keeping it together. Yeah, and if you join that group, you're not going to get a big piece of the pie. Yeah, 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 that's why. So after a while, like uh, Ramon's drummers uh, that came in were making 250 bucks a week while the rest of the Ramones were reaping the riches. So, you know, I, I think at that point, you're a talented musician, you have the Imperials name, you go out and form your own band, you know, you get a bigger uh, bigger piece of the old pie. Or, get, or become a sweet black-white duo. And what, like Salt and Pepper? No, like Sherman <laughs> and like Sherman Anderson Black, Blackwood. Anderson Blackwood. What's it? And Company. And Company. Those guys were an awesome duo. They were jumping on the... Gregory Hines, Billy Crystal train. Yeah, regular power duo. Yeah. Speaking of the Imperial's name, uh, Armand Morales in the mid-2000s tried to transfer the group to his son so he could finally fucking retire. And then six years later, the lineup led by his son decided to break up. Six years later, Yacht Rock Review stole their name. (laughs) So uh, Armand is like, fuck, the Imperial's name is still out there. I'm sure that's a direct quote. Armand got uh, Paul Smith and a couple other veterans back together, and it looks like they're still... Are they, their last album was like six years ago, but I don't know. It's, Wikipedia seemed to think they were still together. I don't know if they still tour or perform or what's going on. But but the name is out there. The legendary Imperial's name At the end of is the day, still out there. Who cares? This is a fucking great playlist. I can't get enough of these goddamn songs. It's 12 I, beautiful I, songs. I, I feel like I got enough of them after I, a while. I cannot, but I, I think I like Yacht Rock more than the rest of you guys. I think that's true. Did you, did you put that Hibbard song on there? You can get one more. I don't have what, I added it to the oh, folder. Was, oh, I don't have it right now. Okay, I'll look for it Just while you guys up. talk about what we missed. Hey, what do we miss? Uh, I don't know. Hey. Man, hey, there was, hey. There was there was a lot of this fucking stuff. There's yeah, a whole lot of our, our list our list is by no means comprehensive. Um the one I was interested in is the uh there was this guy Per Eric Hallin. Not the, not the guy who wrote the Ark Rock article, uh, which is a very useful experience. But uh, Per Eric Hallen had a song called Gospel Train, where he sounds just like Bill Champlin. 
And Per Eric uh, Helene is the one that wrote that creepy Cabbage Patch Kid song. Oh, he's just Eric. Passed around. Yeah. What? Oh, wait, never mind. Per, sorry, per sorry. Eric Helene. Mm-hmm. Uh, creepy Cabbage Patch Kid song. Look it up. Per Eric yeah, Helene. And Her- Hadley's all over that album. Horrifying. I can't find the song. You just type in Bruce Hibbard. What's the song called? It's a, it's, it, I don't know. Just put in Bruce Hibbard. It was play any Bruce Hibbard song? Yeah, it was the one that's in the that's in the Yacht Rod podcast oh, folder. This might be it. That's it. Never turning back. <laughs> Bruce Hibbard. He was our intro to Yacht Jesus. We probably should have put him on this. Um, matter of fact, JD, thank you for playing the song now. Uh, and I wish Hadley Hawkinsmith had a solo album. You know, like, did Graydon, he didn't really have a solo album, but he did, like, his jars and stuff that was more Graydon, not just producer and guy in the background, um, airplay and whatnot. But uh, Hawkinsmith doesn't have anything. He has one jazz album. It's like an, kind of an electronic jazz album. And it is not good or yachty. It's from the 90s, I think. But it would have been great to have a solo something by him. Uh, Dave? Any Dave faves? Yeah, you know what? I had a great one ready to go, but then Steve picked the same one I was going to do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fucked. Thanks, Steve. I worked too hard finding the three songs that I put on here. <laughs> no more. Um, uh, two announcements, bittersweet announcements. Yep, First yep. is that... We got 10 more Beyond Yacht Rocks to go. We're going to stop at 100, make it a nice, clean... No, it's just, this show's just too hard to make. Yeah, too much research. Um, but we're going to continue podcasting. We'll still be coming at you with new concepts. Yeah, we have different different uh, formats. I think you're going to dig what we have planned. Yeah, so uh, hot 10 episodes left. Second bittersweet. The next episode is... Uh, this is a bummer. <laughs> well, it's a bittersweet thing. I'm gonna, we're going to eulogize my wife, Leah, through music that she loved. Um, so it's going to be a great show. She had great taste in music, uh, a lot of great memories. Uh, it's going to be hard. Yeah, but it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> It'll be hilarious. Um, so check us out in a couple weeks for that one. We're going to keep releasing our Yacht and Yachts and, and all that stuff. Uh, so fucking Beyond Yacht Rock. I'm gonna Yacht go Jesus. I'm going to go home and listen to some Entombed. <laughs> some decent dreams tonight. Um, yeah, find this week's Yacht Rock playlist by following Jay Rosner on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com for a very useful experience. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Theme by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. And thanks to Produso Matt Bruso for putting it together <laughs> because we we made him pause and paste together two different recordings this time. It's a lot harder job for Matt than it usually is. Yeah. God bless. It's a good show.